nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today, I have another fantastic fellow fitness and health podcaster for you. You know, this 2023, your boy's going to deliver. Your boy's going to deliver. And yes, I'm going to deliver for you again. I have my man over here, Andrew Coates, author and host of the Life Free and Diet Hard podcast. Let me say it again. It's Live Free. Correct, Andrew? It's Live Free. Live Free and Diet Hard. It's a play on words. If anybody likes the Die Hard movies, um, it's the fourth one, Live Free and Die Hard. It just worked. And then people love the name. So I stuck with it. I love it. That's one of the coolest. You even see his logo. Even his logo is freaking amazing. I mean, Andrew's just That's a different cool. level kind of dude. And of course, I'm going to have a hack of the episode, right? So Andrew's going to break down what are some of the biggest mistakes that most people make when beginning their fitness journey? And this is like the right question for the right time because, you know, New Year's, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to lose weight and we're going to go gung ho. We're going to do all these things. And then two, three weeks later, it's all out the window. So we're going to try to prevent that. We're going to try to prevent that. We're going to try to get you on the right path and keep you on the right path. And with that being said, Let's welcome up my man, Andrew, to the show. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing today? Zigo, I'm good, brother. Thank you for having me. It's quite cold in Edmonton, Alberta, in northwestern Canada, uh, compared to, you know, probably sunny Florida. But uh, that means you got to choose to go to the gym inside instead of having a whole bunch of outdoor stuff to do, right? So it works oh, out pretty exactly. Good. Exactly, exactly. I love it here in Florida. I moved here for a reason. I, I, I'm not comparing it to, to, to Alberta, but I used to live in Alabama and it was a little cold and it was too cold for me. So I moved a little bit closer to the equator. Um, but with that being said, man, tell my audience about yourself and your work. Uh, I've been a personal trainer coach for um, over 12 years. Uh, a lot of in-person. I do online. I have been getting a lot of speaking engagements the last little bit. Um, you caught me in the middle of a three weekend in a row trip to three events, uh, just spoke at two. So that, that stuff I love. I love traveling within the industry. Uh, I have, you use the word author, and I'm going to pivot that to writer because I've never technically written a book yet, but I write for a bunch of fitness magazines, including Muscle Fitness Magazine, T Nation, Personal Trainer Development Center, Generation Iron, Barband. There's a new one about to be announced, but until it's actually official on the website, I'll keep that one. Mum's the word. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm also pretty active on Instagram and people seem to find me there a lot. So anyway, it's a cool career. Very grateful to get to do what I do. You know, I found you there on uh, Instagram as well. So and you, you have a fantastic page man, with awesome engagement and your, uh, the audience seems to love your work. So I'm glad you're here, buddy. And with that being said, uh, let's talk about your podcast because we introduced it already, like Live Free and Die Hard, right? So explain that to us. So 
I mean, again, I think a lot of your listeners are probably enthusiasts and my podcast is probably a bit more geared towards coaches. I can't help it. You know, smart coaches will make sure that all of their media is geared towards the, the proper audience that they can help. But I can't help but enjoy conversations with some of my industry friends. We're talking about like, you know, really successful people, whether it's Luca Hosvar or Don Saladino and bringing them on and just having conversations that I enjoy it. You know, it's, it's great to develop relationships even more on top of traveling to hang out with people. And it, as I said, it tends to be a podcast that's a bit more of, you know, stuff for trainers and the career side of things, which is more of an indulgence on my part. So, you know, if someone's looking for more practical lifestyle stuff, it's not really the podcast. So in that sense, it's incongruent with everything, but that's what my social media is for. And then the stuff I write for the big magazines. So the podcast is just a fun outlet for me. And it's, you know, I don't market anything to trainers. I don't sell mentorship or or any of these sort of educational products. So it's kind of given back to people supporting people because I, I like giving and sharing and supporting without expecting anything in return because the industry has been good to me and has given me a really great life. So that's the podcast in a nutshell. So what I'm hearing is if you want practical advice, listen to the matter over mind experience. But sure. then if you are a trainer, right, and you, you know, the expert in the industry, listen to the Live Free and Die Hard podcast. That's kind of how I get it. So we get both the best of both worlds there, the best of both worlds. Absolutely. But, but say that, let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about your Instagram because I I, re, I looked over your work and I decided to ask questions based on what I saw there. Sure. And something that you mentioned is workouts aren't meant to replace life but enhance it. And I love that post. So explain that to my audience. Well, we know that within the industry, you know, people get people get tribal about everything. And we won't touch politics, but people get tribal about their politics. They get tribal about their nutrition. They have their diet in their bio on social media. And they will, you know, they'll follow evidence, however good or bad that evidence is, or people who promote the same ideology as they, they do. And they will ignore disconfirming information and, and research that counters their sort of belief system. We know that's kind of how this works. So, you know, people who are very you know, caught up in fitness and, and have made a devoted lifestyle of it, oftentimes they struggle with boundaries. And oftentimes fitness is replacing some other sort of poor boundary from the past, whether it's, you know, partying lifestyle, drugs, alcohol, um, or just something else that they pivoted and it almost becomes like an addiction. Now I'm not saying that everybody's like this or that's necessarily a bad thing, but we probably should have moderation and boundaries in all things. And that includes not breaking ourselves apart, doing three to four hour long workouts every day. One of the most important skills to develop for really, really dedicated people in fitness is, is the boundaries around rest, recovery, making sure you're getting enough sleep. You're not overly caffeinated and giving your body enough time to rest repair so that you actually grow muscle and gain strength optimally. Muscle and strength are built as we recover, not as we're actually training in the gym. And I think there's a lot of people who struggle with, you know, very extreme mindset, all or nothing behavior. And you, you open this all up by you know, practical stuff that will help people get more active. And one of the biggest mistakes people make is they get rooted in all or nothing thinking. Uh, you have to be perfect or you're totally off track. It has to be, you know, if, if it's not a 
perfect pass thing, then you're failing. And when people set up these false dichotomies of being on and off the wagon, off and on, on and off track, they all too often struggle to maintain an unsustainable ideal over the long run, which then has them feeling like they're failing, which means that they give their give themselves permission to quote cheat on their diets. And that's that's complicated, that's loaded. It gives them permission to skip workouts. It gives them permission to just go off of a fit lifestyle. And what we really hope in all things is to find a moderation. I mean, you can be really aggressive with the stuff. You can really push you if you got aggressive goals, but there still has to be room for everything else in life. And to your direct question, if we start turning down time with friends or family and our obsession with fitness crowds out other healthy, normal lifestyle stuff, uh, you know, hobbies and interests, then we become very one-dimensional, but even more, it's very unsustainable. And I don't think it's actually a really healthy way to, to live our lives. It's not a healthy way to engage in relationships. And I mean, yeah, we, we can be prone to, you know, extreme all in falling in love with these type of things, but I want fitness to be something that leaves people, you know, gives them better energy, feeling more confident. So that way they can then go out and if they enjoy hiking or if they just want to go and enjoy a weekend, go to a wedding and not have to bring Tupperware. And then they'd be able to eat whatever's at the wedding and have a few drinks without feeling guilt or, you know, like really, really disordered eating, thinking, or even behavior and, and just be able to enjoy life without the guilt. And that's challenging for a lot of people. That is because a lot of us, as you said, have the all or nothing mindset that like going into even the new year, we say we gone ho and say, hey, we're going to do this, right? But yeah. it's because you can't, you think of, okay, it's either I'm on a couple of weeks later, this is terrible, it's not working out. And that us feel like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this anymore, which is really one of the issues is. As someone said to me the other day, we're having a conversation and I mentioned rum and they said, you drink? And they were so surprised. They're like, you drink? And I'm like, yeah, I don't. I couldn't tell the last time I got drunk and I don't drink too often, but if I, but I'm guess you would call me a social drinker if I'm out with family and friends having a good time at the end of the day, we're here to live life. Doesn't mean you can't be healthy. There are places in the world that I'm sure you know, it's Andrew. They've done studies on where there are people live to be, to be over a hundred years old. They're all happy and stuff. They don't know a biohack if you hit them in the face, but they're happy. And that happiness helps them to live longer. And I'm not just saying, now go out there and drink and do whatever you want to kill your kidneys and be happy. That's not what I'm saying. However, I am saying that there, you have to live life. At the end of the day, that's what we're here for. And having that balance is going to help you going into that new, going into the new year. So I'm glad that you shared that. That's absolutely fantastic. Now, Good. let's carry that into the next part of the conversation because we want to talk about energy and good energy and connecting with the right people. So what role does that play in our health and fitness journey? Um, put that in context for me. Um, I'm curious as to exactly where you want me to go with this. So I I want to look at it from the point of uh, commitment, right? Not, not necessarily motivation, but commitment. So when we're talking about uh, if you want to uh, have a if you want to be successful in, in your health and, and your health and uh, fitness journey, what what's a what's the importance of having the right motivational, positive people, the roles that they play in your life? 
Well, I mean, there's there's a whole lot there. If you are around like-minded people who share your interests, who support this, then that's only going to encourage you. Something that I've encountered on occasion with clients over the years, if you have an unsupportive spouse, I mean, I remember one particular client um, had a spouse that willfully sabotaged and interfered on, on a particularly nasty level. And unfortunately, that a client was was doomed and there was nothing I, I was able to do. You know, it did warrant a complicated discussion to point it out, but that was pretty much the end of all that. Um, and of course, as a trainer, you also have to have boundaries around people who, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to ever quit on people. And I don't like this ideology of firing clients, but you also have to find the people that self-select to work with you who are a good fit for the person who's trying to be more fit and active. If you have unsupportive, you know, partners or family that can be tricky and people will, it's, it's good to recognize signs of sabotage. When I, I've had clients who. You know, they have a partner who claims that they're supportive, but that partner will relentlessly bring, bring junk food and crap into the house. Sometimes it's because the partner has impulse control issues in one particular example I could think of, or the partner just doesn't share the, the goals. But sometimes it's it's unintentional sabotage. Often in workplaces, and it's really good to be able to recognize this, if you have someone in the office, proverbial office or literal, who is, quote, on a diet or started a fitness program, and all of a sudden... Other people in the office, they start bringing around things like donuts and other treats, and they start telling you to live a little. And hold on a second here. Good. Uh, and, you know, they don't respect the boundary. And what's actually happening sometimes, sometimes it's well-intentioned, but sometimes it's someone else who is struggling with their own health and fitness efforts, who is all of a sudden now seeing a reminder that makes them feel very acutely aware of what they don't like about themselves, something they've been struggling with. And one of the easiest ways to make that uncomfortable feeling go away is to remove the stimulus by sabotaging the other person. And this is a very real thing. So it's important to recognize this stuff and establish pretty firm boundaries. And if someone violates those boundaries and just tells you to, oh, live a little, just enjoy it, or Despite you saying, hey, no, you know, this is important to me. They keep bringing the stuff around in a, you know, having it there is one thing, but really kind of pushing it on you. That warrants some complicated conversations and a, and a, an evaluation of our own relationship with our own boundaries. But it starts with recognizing this sort of sabotage. And sometimes it's very willful and sometimes it's unintentional, but it still functions that way. And once we have that food around, especially if we haven't set ourselves up with a manageable, sustainable lifestyle that also includes enjoying other aspects of life. If we're wired to really restrictive dieting, parkour workout regimes, and we're stuck in this all or nothing thinking, then all these decisions become fatiguing. There's a, there's a sort of like oversimplified belief that willpower is a, is a finite resource. It functions that way. It's not quite the truth, but it's much easier to make decisions in line with our identity and who we see ourselves to be. So if we can foster an identity as someone who's fit, who's active, who eats well, or tap into the aspirational identity of wanting to do these things, then these choices become easier. We're less reliant upon willpower. If we have stress in our lives with work or family life or whatever's going on, then we are less likely to succumb to 
falling off track, getting into binging on food that probably isn't a good, you know, isn't in line with what we're doing. And we can be more vulnerable to these external sabotage, whether intentional or otherwise. So I think it one of the most important skills we can develop or, or things we can develop about this is, is to look at our entire identity and try to, to build strength in that identity, tap into old identity. If, you know, if someone was act more active in their younger days, back in high school, or they played sports, now, if we can get back to that, or if we can look at people that we admire and aspire to be like, and get really in touch with that, it can make those decisions easy. And it's not about being perfect. It's about lessening the frequency and severity and duration of the negative episodes where we feel like we're a bit off track with our nutrition. It's the person who you know, does pretty good with their nutrition during the week, but then Friday early evening comes and then there's drinks and then uh, the food goes off track. And then Saturday there's a hangover and it's like, well, I've blown it. So then Saturday and Sunday become a free for all. And then I'll, I'll get started again on Monday. It becomes okay. Friday night we went out, we had some fun. It's okay to do that guilt-free. Let's get better at the skill of not overindulging. And then once Saturday comes around, let's get right back on track instead of giving ourselves permission to do it on Monday. And this is at the core of everything. You know, the message, like the personal responsibility message is, is unpopular. It's unwelcome at times. And it also lacks nuance. But at its core, we need to empower people and find out, figure out ways that those people can, are, are more well equipped to embrace what they can control about things instead of being told, hey, this is not your fault. You know, it, it's only, it's your genetics. It's the environment, blah, blah, blah. You're a victim to your circumstance. That's disempowering. That doesn't help people at all. We strip people of the ability to control some of this. So let's give those people that power back, but let's call bullshit when we see it. And let's go. Yes, there are a lot of factors at play and we get very emotionally fatigued and we have food and marketing that's engineered to get people to consume, but we also give ourselves permission. And recognizing that is powerful. We are the ones who ultimately decide and give ourselves permission to go off track, to do the things that are against our goals. And if we can bring that back, then A, we can give ourselves permission to enjoy these things with less guilt. And then we're less likely to get into these cycles of guilt and shame, which have us seeking impulsive, uh, hedonistic behaviors, which like, like alcohol, drugs is the ultimate example, or gambling. But even like, you know, binging on food is a short-term, you know, hedonistic dopamine-fueled boost only to leave people feeling worse after the fact. It, it's about breaking these cycles and giving people a greater sense of control and, and letting those people gradually gain more skill to where they're not perfect. They're not expecting to be perfect. And they don't place pressure on themselves to be perfect, but they just feel like they have more power. You know. You just said some really good things just a while ago, and my brain was kind of going off there for a second because I always tell this story, right, or kind of a metaphor in a way, if you want to call it. Let's say two people walk into a gym and they see Andrew, right? He's fit. He looks good. One person may say ah, he might be on steroids. Yeah, he might have just have good genetics. He works out all the time. He probably doesn't have a life and doesn't have wife and kids. The next person may look at Andrew and say, Ooh, that man must be really dedicated at what he does. S two people look at you. 
two different opinions. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, people bring their own their own stories, their own narratives, <clears throat> their own judgments into these things. <clears throat> and the person who <clears throat> looks for all the explanations as to why they can't is, is someone, to put it bluntly, is sort of a victim mindset, is very external locus of control, right? External locus, locus control, we don't feel power. There's a very strong correlation with being unhappy uh, and experiencing higher levels of stress if we don't feel in control of our own environment. It can get into learned helplessness even. Even when we have the ability to change, we just don't. But people who look at it and see the positive side of things, they tend to look at things, well, this, these are the things that I could do. This is the power I do have in this situation. And those are invariably the people who are more successful. Now, we can change our narratives and our mindsets. We absolutely can. And it's also very valuable, going back to your previous question, to try to surround ourselves more and more with people who see the world that way. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I agree. I have, that's one, when I started to work on my health and change my life around, I had to make sure I surround myself with people who are not quote unquote perfect, but mm -hmm. would help me in that journey. When I decided to to uh, to get my certifications in nutrition and fitness and launch a podcast, I surrounded myself with those same people as well. And I have newer podcasters who reach out to me, say, hey, Narada, you've been doing this for a while. Something, hey, you know, you have anything you can help me with? Let's talk. And I collaborate and I interview people who mm -hmm. just launched your show last week, you mm -hmm. know, and help them out because, you know, you're now creating that community where you're building and you're helping each other. And that's absolutely vital. And that's the next, which is going to lead us to the next piece of my question. Let's talk about consistency a little bit, right? It's mm -hmm. so not just motivation and quote unquote willpower, but consistency. What are some basic habits to create consistency? I mean, that's, I'm trying to think even where to start with this. Um, it's a lot of the stuff we already said. It's, it's about reasonable expectations. It's about, you know, starting with one or a very, very small number of habits. I mean, this is classic, almost cliche advice that, and, and I think it's not necessarily universal. I think there are people that can, you know, switch modes and be a bit more aggressive. I do think sometimes those people tend to be prone to more on and off type behavior. And whenever we have an on mode, there's by contrast, always an off mode and people give themselves permission to go into off mode. So that's a bit of an issue. But, you know, classic habit building stuff, books like Atomic Habits by James Clear is a great resource, Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. These things will help teach people the skills of building new habits, establishing that as a bit more of an ingrained behavior before we move on to more, more, more things we're trying to do or more elaborate things that we try to do. And the classic is, is you know, we still eat focusing on, I like to get people to focus on just getting to the gym and getting the workout in. We don't overcomplicate with nutrition right away. Um, once the habit of the gym is in there, I tend to find a lot of people just naturally without prompting, just are interested in eating better anyway. So that starts to gain some momentum. And then we can talk about things like, hey, just drink a little bit more water. Uh, I really like focusing on getting people to eat more protein. If we can get people to, a very basic one is every meal has got to be built around protein. What do we have? We have people generally making healthier choices. We have more filling meals. We have, and more filling meals means we're less likely to probably overeat on very, very high calorie food. And then we just see how this stuff starts to add up a little bit. And then as someone, I, I very reluct, I'm very reluctant as a coach to tell people what to do, even though people come to you to have 
uh, you tell them what to do. Realistically, a great coach will ask a lot of questions and it will help draw out the choices uh, from the person. And when people make decisions themselves, if they're the ones who make the choice and the decision, they're far more likely to execute on it and stay consistent with those choices. So a great coach just keeps bringing that stuff to the forefront, asking a lot of, got to be careful how you frame why, but getting people to understand why they're doing these things and what people think are the solutions to their own challenges. And very often they know the answers. And when they're willing to execute on those answers because we remove barriers or we in a very collaborative way create solutions to their challenges, that's when we start building momentum and getting people to to be successful. Love it. I absolutely love it. And you're right. That's one of the philosophies in my coaching as well, is I I ask a lot of questions and let my clients decide. Now they'll come to me and say, hey, what's a good source of protein? Hey, what's uh what carbs are complex? Can you send me a guide on so-and-so? And they'll come into me and start get curious, right? So asking these questions, but I guide them along that path till they get there where they're making the decisions themselves because they're more likely to stick to it. You know, so you, I think you're definitely right. I'm one of my friends and I were joking the other day. She says with her husband, if he won't, if she tells him to do something, he won't do it. So she makes him think it's his idea <laughs> and then Classic he'll do it. Relationship. Classic relationship stuff. Yeah. And smart people figure this shit out, right? It's not much different when we're dealing with their clients. Exactly. Exactly. And with that being said, everyone, this has been a fantastic episode so far, but your boy is coming up on the hack of the episode. So and as promised, we're going to give it to you. But before we do it, because I'm such a nice guy, I have to talk to you about something today, everyone. I have to talk to you about Heal. See, AminoCo, um, they produce Heal, which is 100% science-backed essential amino acid formulation designed to reduce recovery times and improve physical function by accelerating muscle repair while helping you maintain a healthy inflammatory response. See, the EAA profile of HEAL was originally developed to help NASA astronauts maintain muscle mass in space, and it was then refined to help everyday people experience prolonged periods of inactivity. So HEAL, I drink it pretty much every day. I train seven days a week, some type of training, and I drink it in the evenings post-recovery. Because it has whey protein concentrate, it has creatine, and also this specific blend of essential amino acids, which helps me to heal and recover so I can go at it the next day. See, a recent clinical trial compared one scoop and two scoop amounts of heal with high quality whey protein. The net balance whole protein synthesis and breakdown were measured, and the response to heal was found to be three times larger than whey protein on a gram to gram basis. So go ahead and check it out. The website is aminoco.com slash Zico Health. Of course, you know the code Zico Health is going to give you 30% off all the amino-based products heal that I'm drinking right now, along with Perform, which I drink pre-workout. And of course, the link will be in the description of the episode. And with that being said, we're here to the hack of the day. My man Andrew here is going to lay it on us. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make when beginning their fitness journey? Mm. What are the big mistakes? I mean, number one, they try to do too much. And I think we kind of tackled that a little bit uh, recently. Uh, two, I think that they look for rigid ideologies and systems 
you know, whether it's, hey, you know, everybody's talking about keto dieting or intermittent fasting or whatever. And fine, different nutritional ideologies can be useful under certain circumstances if it fits that person's lifestyle. But the danger is most of the people who are being drawn to these things or the people who are evangelizing them, that's a very big red flag, um, are not the type of people who can use them sustainably. So there's a problem. And oftentimes, if someone around you is evangelizing, and I use that word very deliberately, um, a diet like keto or carnivore or something else that's that's rigid with rigid rules, it's usually to try to reinforce their own belief system. And then if they're evangelizing, it quite literally functions like a religion. And a lot of people are very hardcore about you know, diets like vegan or, or keto or carnivore. They, they take on a tribal uh, religion-like identity, I suppose. So I, I would just be very careful about that sort of stuff. I would try to learn, you know, the evidence basis of things like keto, why keto and intermittent fasting, they work because they restrict calorie intake. That, that fundamentally is it. There's no special properties of either of these diets that somehow have superior fat loss, you know, uh, results when equated research on this stuff is very clear when calories and protein and fiber are equated uh, compared to other approaches to nutrition the fat loss results are the same there are wild claims about different health benefits those are not supported by the evidence and in fact there may be some problems especially long term with things like keto dieting we want to be very careful about that i would definitely talk to a doctor you know especially a cardiologist if you're really serious about that I'll leave that at that. I think following someone like Dr. Lane Norton, Lane is great. We both spoke at a conference uh, two weeks ago. Lane is one of the best evidence-based minds when it comes to nutrition. Um, and I think people also get really caught up in, you know, and it, you know, I know you just, uh, you know, ha have a sponsor, but I, I do have to be honest in saying like being focused on things like supplements over the basics of, you know, of nutrition, of hydration, of sleep, of exercise, uh, those are the big rocks, and then we can we can layer in uh, thoughtful nutritional supplementation once we take care of the big things first. So that's a big one, and and I still think all or nothing thinking is a big problem. You know, people tend to, especially because we're approaching the new year, and I don't want to discourage people who start in the new year because I think a lot of people are successful regardless of the month that they start. But we have this culture around giving it a fair try during the new year, someone decides, all right, I'm going to start working out. They're going to do something extreme. They're going to start dieting. They, they're trying to do way too much and not graduating themselves into sustainable habits. And then what happens is they, they join the gym, they go for a little while, they fall off track. And then they say to themselves, well, I tried, I just can't do this. You know, very external locus control thinking again, and then they, they're absolved. They made the effort. So now they're trying to alleviate the guilt, the, the feelings of shame for feeling unhealthy, not feeling good about themselves, having gained weight over the course of the year or several years. And then they just kind of resign themselves to saying, well, I can't do anything about this. I clearly tried. It didn't work. So therefore, that's it. And then they go back, you know, to the proverbial couch and 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 the snack food and and I think we can live in between that we can we can approach it with a bit more nuance and you know and it find it it, it becomes finding good resources whether online or maybe it's hiring an in person coach of people who can help shed a light on more manageable and nuanced nutrition 
um, reasonable approaches to fitness without, you know, doing hours and hours of cardio. I, I don't think most beginners really need to crush themselves at cardio. You can do a little bit if you enjoy it. I think learning to enjoy working out, lifting weights, getting in the gym, I think it'd be a wonderful gift to yourself, uh, to your future self. And there's a tactic I like. I've I've shared this concept before. We we are terrible at delayed gratification. We are terrible at making decisions for our long-term well-being, whether it's financial saving or whether we're eating or, or any of these things, you know, drinking drugs, you name it. We're sacrificing a night of sleep because we decided we're going to stay up and scroll, you know, TikTok. But if we start looking at, well, instead of our future self a year, five years from now, 10 years from now, being this abstract, far off thing, place, picture that person, you know, you in the future, you know, create an image in your mind. Think about the person who you will be when, as time gets there as a real person. And that's also a person who's very vulnerable to the choices that you make right now on an ongoing basis. And again, it's not about being perfect. It's about being kind and reasonable to that person. So to find balance that we can enjoy life, reasonable life now, but we can also set that future version of ourselves up for a better quality of life and, and not screw that person over royally by you know, gaining as much body fat as possible and then facing down, you know, increased risk of, of lifestyle diseases like diabetes and heart disease and what have you. And occasionally you'll get someone who, you know, gets in this really extremist narrative that there's no relationship between, you know, you know, level of body fat and long-term health outcomes. And that is a malicious lie based out of a extremist ideological group that does not have your best interest in mind. So if anybody's listening who kind of brushes up against this stuff, uh, the people who are peddling this lie are not your friends. They're not out to help you. They're peddling nonsense and pseudoscience. And while the, the complete inverse, which is shame-based narratives that pressure people to lose weight are, are equally ineffective and they're not helping anybody, right? There's good research on that. We also have to discard this lie that there aren't serious risks long-term of, you know, very, very major health issues. Uh, if we do not try to manage our, our level of our body fat and our, our cardiovascular health, and, and those things tend to go fairly hand in hand. Yes, there's a narrative that you can't look at someone and be able to tell how healthy they are. Yes, that's true, but that obscures the real problem. We do have... You know, rising levels. I, I don't know if statistically we're still seeing rise at obesity. We still have very high levels. I think it's rising. Um, and we have more pressure on the healthcare system. I mean, my grandfather, you know, my grandfather has been dead for quite some time. He'd probably be about 100 if he were alive today. He was a, you know, a, a doctor, but he was a four-pack-a-day four smoker. Uh, he was a really good man, but he also was overweight. Um, you know, he drank a lot. And, and the way they ate, I mean, that was their generation. But he died due to complications of diabetes because he had to have his leg amputated and then his organs started shutting down. Uh, and that was the direct result of a lot of lifestyle behavior. And that's the thing that these, these ideological extremists don't want to talk to you about or take responsibility for. So just a, just a word of caution in dealing with the type of people who pursue these extremist narratives. And these extremist narratives tend to go hand in hand with a lot of other extreme ideology. So. 
that's as much as I want to say on that topic. It's complicated and tends to tends to get some particularly vicious, nasty, shame-based antagonism in, in return. You just touched on some beautiful, beautiful things, though, Andrew. I mean, come on. Like, really, these are the things that I preach on the matter for my experience. These are the things that I live I've talked about my asthma and putting my asthma in remission and um, dropping my blood pressure by 10 points. And, yeah. and I was, and Andrew, I was, I've never been like obese my entire life. It, I was fit in, but still had health issues. And I had to learn to make certain changes. You're talking about dieting. I want to talk about that for a minute. Cause we talk yeah. about keto. We talk about in, um, uh, intermittent fasting and so on and so forth. Right. We don't realize that these are tools that can be used to get your results. When I when I had to heal my gut, I had to inc- um I had to train my body to run on fat. Then I had to be on keto diet for a little, for a little while to heal my gut. Intermittent fasting was important for that. The way I train, training in zone two, allow my body to burn more fat. You know what I'm talking about, Andrew was important in that aspect as well, right? These are tools that we can use. From from even from an evolutionary standpoint, our bodies are designed to be able to run on fat time to time, run on carbs from time to time. You know, these extreme ideas, like you're saying, it's really, anyone that says to me, you need to be a carnivore and be in ketosis for every rest of your life. If anybody says that to you, turn around, run away, and don't even look back because this person have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And that's when the all or nothing mindset come in. Cause we're like, oh, this work, this doesn't work. Let's talk even about supplementation that we just talked about. I eat at least 200 grams of protein a day. I'm also, I also train seven days a week. So, you know, but I also use supplements as needed to give me that extra boost to help me to recover and perform better. I'm sure you do as well, but we do it, but we already have a certain lifestyle intact. Like I've had people come to me and say, what are the best supplements for this? I said, first of all, what's your diet like? Because mm-hmm. supplementation is adding to something you're already doing. It's a supplement. It's not a replacement for what you should be doing. So you just touch on some beautiful things. And you talk about having the right people in your life to help to keep you going with the right mindset, not to motivate you, but to keep you on that path. Because motivation can sometimes in a way be short term, depending on where you think about it. But to be there for you, to help you, to have the right mindset, help you with your identity. I don't know if you're a sports guy, Andrew, but I'm a big sports guy. And the best teams in the world usually have an identity. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan. Every time the Cowboys struggle, I'm like, we don't have an identity. What kind of team are we? When you have an identity, you tend to perform better. And that happens with people as well. So you just touched on some wonderful things, my man. That was absolutely, absolutely banging and great advice. And with that being said, Anything you want to tell my audience, let them know how to get in touch with you, learn more about your work, et cetera, et cetera. I appreciate it. I mean, first of all, you know, for, for your longtime listeners, if you're obviously enjoying um, Zico's podcast, go give him a review. Go share this with someone in your world, a friend, right? You know, it's a simple way that doesn't cost you anything to actually support, especially if it's brought a lot of value to you. You know, if you're someone who has has found you through my media, just scroll through what else you're, you know, what other guests you've had. And if you see someone that you like, go listen to that too. Um, You know, if if someone wants to check out more of what I'm doing, you can, you're always welcome to message me. Instagram is is the way I I, I don't tell people to email me because I hate email, Uh, but just message me on Instagram. I respond to everything. And it's at, at Andrew Coates Fitness. Um, There are imposter accounts and these things have been rampant and they're just scammers. So be careful. Look for the account that has, I'm just a little over 90,000 followers. And you can tell by scrolling down that 
you know, I've been posting for a very long time instead of one of these accounts that just popped up and shared a, a dozen of my posts and is all within the last 24 hours, right? Screw that stuff. Yeah, just message me there. And anything else I do, anything I get published or, you know, other podcast episodes, I share it all on my Instagram, my website, www.andrewcoatsfitness.com. But yeah, just go hang out on Instagram and we'll chat there. Thank you. And I love his page. That's where I found Andrew was on his Instagram. And of course, you know that his contact information will be in the show notes. And this should be no surprise to anybody. It's going to be zikahealth.com slash live free, die hard. And of course, the show notes are going to be in the description of the episode. And with that being said, we're out of here today. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.